0: Welcome to the Launch University Podcast, turning good intentions into reality in your career, business, and life. Here's your host, Shane Benson.
1: Welcome to the Launch University Podcast. We're so excited today because I've got Chris Carneal and Matt Keller from Boosterthon and couldn't be more excited. Guys, thanks for being here. So glad to uh, be here. It's an honor and fired up. Love what you do. This is an awesome opportunity. Chris not having energy is hard to do, so he's going to bring a lot of energy. to the Matt, it's exciting because I think you lead innovation for Booster Thons, so we'll jump right in. Again, as a reminder, Launch University is all about connecting entrepreneurs, entrepreneurs. Oftentimes, we're trying to go from here to there, and we don't know how to get there, so we have conversations with entrepreneurs like yourself helping other entrepreneurs get where they wanna be and be difference makers. So excited to have you guys. So Chris, let's jump right in. Boosterthon, for those listeners out there that have no idea what that means, tell us a little bit about your company, tell us a little bit how you got started and where you guys are today. I
0: love it. Well, welcome entrepreneurs. I consider myself one. Our company's grown a lot Uh, since 16 years ago when we started the company. There's about 800 of us nationwide. We're gonna raise schools, elementary schools specifically, over $60 million this year through a fitness fun run. I love entrepreneurs because it enables uh, risk-taking, opportunity creation, at the end of the day, we all want to change the world and live for something that's beyond us, that makes a difference. Uh, so if you're an entrepreneur that's listening, don't give up. Whatever season you're in, keep pushing. The great idea might be around the corner. Uh, the next opportunity, sales meeting or person that introduced you to the one thing that makes it happen could literally happen in the next 30 minutes. So I wake up every day thinking this could be the day that another big idea happens. Uh, what you had th- no idea you were going to be on a podcast today, and here it is. Here it is. It happened. You text me 15 minutes ago, hey, but I'm ready. It. Let's do Entrepreneurs it. Entrepreneurs are right. ready for anything at any moment. You got to be. Opportunity. Uh, what we do is we basically replace either product sale fundraisers that schools do, Cookie Dough Magazine, or even in-house fundraisers that schools will do to raise money for whatever Where have they
1: w- you been all my life?
0: Well, i bought so much gift wrap and cookies. Yes. It's pathetic. That's what everyone wants, Cookie Dough, because it, <laughs> it you know promotes character and <laughs> fitness in kids. So we replace all that junk. Or schools, my mom was a teacher for 35 years, schools to do their own in-house stuff is usually great motives and well done, but that's not their full-time job. So it's not as efficient as it could be, and it really takes away from the educational process. So our job is to come on campus, put on a fun nine-day event for our live program, host this fitness fun run. We don't want it to feel like a fundraiser. We want it to feel like a fun community event. It's fitness-oriented, we're teaching character lessons, schools are raising twice as much money, and the best part is we're doing the work so that teachers and educators can focus on education.
1: Wow, what a great business model. So tell us a little bit about, you said eight, you're in 800 schools? We're in 3,000 3, schools, actually. Oh, yet, gosh, 3, yet. Yesterday we kicked off this school year, Northern California.
0: Uh, we kicked off our first one of the year, and at, by the end of May, early June, we will finish our 3,000th program. So biggest year yet, thanks to our amazing clients.
1: Okay, so let's start with where you guys are today, because, Matt, I want to get a question to you. In a business that's growing at the pace that you're growing right now, How do you maintain this innovation side? How do you stay innovative when you're actually, you're just trying to keep up with the size and the scope of the business and it's growing. How do you maintain that innovation?
2: Uh, Well, from my perspective, I think all entrepreneurs, they're gonna be motivated that way, and the trick is to not get sucked into the business day to day, because if you're in the whirlwind, you're gonna be just beaten down by the everyday day-to-day execution. You've got to build your team like Chris has to create space for himself and then for a team to focus on innovation, to focus on uh, seeing where opportunities lie and to actually have the time to listen to your clients, hear what needs they're saying and then see if you can you know, create So
1: that's, I think that's a really good lesson. It's actually what I hear you saying is separating the two um, because naturally the natural momentum of the business is going to suck all the resources over to that side When did you make that call? Like what size and scope of the business were you at when you said, okay, we've got to separate this because we're not being as innovative (laughs) as we need to be. I'm still
0: thinking about it. If anybody has any answers, no entrepreneur (laughs) is uh, smart enough in the moment to know that they're going from in the business to on the business. Yeah. I think you're always thinking through it every day. I mean, literally minute to minute, email to email, I'm working in the business and on the business. But I think I've always had, like every entrepreneur has, um, the mindset of I have to execute today and I have to think for tomorrow how I think that's for tomorrow good. I mean, changes. I think you to
1: execute today and think about
0: tomorrow. That's and a good the lesson. The word that energizes anybody that's listening but it's draining for those that are not entrepreneurs is both. If you don't like the idea of doing both at the same time you're probably not wired to be an entrepreneur and if the idea of I'm living, working, selling, doing, executing today, and at the same time thinking and consumed about tomorrow, there's a good chance you're So for those of
1: you that are listening and you're not an entrepreneur, you're maybe an entrepreneur. You're literally in your business. You're thinking about a project. I think that's still really sound advice, right? It's like, okay, think about the work today, but you also got to be thinking about what you're going to want to do tomorrow.
0: I hire as many non-entrepreneurs as possible to balance, scale, create efficiencies, make our business model work. So uh, love entrepreneurs. And at the same time, we greatly have to be balanced by at least five people that are better at lots of things than we are.
2: Yeah. You know, something too, and this is from watching Chris for 13 years. He didn't overthink his first idea. He shipped, right? He, he went to market and he went to market fast and then iterated continually and iterated often as he got feedback from clients saying, this is what we need. So he wasn't, he, he, he wasn't, um, locked into, oh, this is my business, I've built it up, I've got my business case, and here we go, I'm going to beat my head against it for five years. He, he went, served clients, and then adapted.
1: Another really good lesson here, and, and I do want to go back to the beginning, because I think there's some lessons that people be interested in learning, but we talk about the innovation cycle. We talk about, okay, you've got to understand your customer, you've got to imagine, you've got to prototype, you've got to validate, and then you've got to launch. But there's a critical piece in there. What I heard you say was, hey, very early on, you shipped early. Meaning, I kind of understand the problem, I've got an idea, and I'm gonna rapidly prototype. And then you go back to understand, you imagine, you prototype. You do that a couple times, quickly in market so that eventually you go okay I think we're onto something let's validate it let's launch it tell us a little bit about that when you're getting started how did you figure out the right model
0: well <laughs> we're still trying to figure it out any non-humble entrepreneurs business it feels their business like
1: 3000 is pretty good
0: that we're, you're you're we're, onto something there's 100,000 elementary okay. schools only in America so we're only 3% just towards elementary and there's middle Love the school vision. and Um, So we think we're just getting started. But, you know, what you just said and the way I heard it, and I'm I'm sure some of the listeners heard it, that process you just went through, is that a month, is that a quarter, is that a year? The truth is I had the opportunity by the nature of our program to go through that process in many ways every day. So advice might be question the time frame of that process. Love it. Because if you can condense it, you just get more reps. And I, I don't know if I could do today what, I, in a sense, I did then, or just my wife and I, uh, because I could make mistakes and fix it with every 10 minutes, every classroom, every meeting, every. and because there's 800 team members now, depending upon the, the scope and scale of the business, mistakes might be greater, so we have systems and that time frame is longer, but I met with a couple of entrepreneurs recently, and they laid out their 10-year plan, and I said, have you ever sold this product? I know mm-hmm. you're worried about supply chain, and I know you're worried about procurement and insurance, and I don't Know if anybody's going to buy it, and until you know someone's going to buy it, don't even worry about that yet. Sell the product, get their feedback on what sells and doesn't sell, and then iterate it, and just up the number of reps you can have in that
1: process. Yeah, iterate via reps, iterate daily if you can. Yep. Love that. So thinking back to uh, again when you launched and you got started, what advice would you give to folks that are just they got an idea, they're trying to get think through it, they feel like it's a pretty good thing? How, what advice, what tips would you give some? early startups?
0: I'm learning it still daily. In many ways, I've got a, such a great executive team. Matt and I are doing a lot of startup stuff inside our organization. That's what fuels me, launching new things. Um, I'd say really twofold. You have to take a product or service to a person or to market. My instinct has always gone sales backwards. Will they buy it? And if they buy it, then I can figure out how to price it. Then I can figure out how to develop it. Then I can figure out the supply chain and the staffing model. And But... Too often, we get to sales meeting last. If no one buys the product, it doesn't matter. So that's one. That's my bias. The second is you have to figure out your daily personal discipline of life. How do you carve out time for things? Are you working on what matters? So one is sales meeting backwards, and the second would be figuring out yourself and how you work in what might be for many a a new environment of uh, freedom or I need more discipline or how do I carve out early morning hours or how do I work according to how I'm wired?
1: Okay, so let's build on that a little bit. Remind our listeners, were you in a full-time job, part-time job? (laughs) Was this all you had? What were you – where were you in stage of life when you got started? The first idea was a college junior doing baseball lessons,
0: about to get engaged and graduate. Uh, Then I was a college senior when our first program happened. Then I went to grad school in Kentucky and had like seven part-time jobs. So uh, it really, the truth is, for the first few years, it was an idea that became Mm -hmm. kind of a gig. And it wasn't until I moved to Atlanta 13 years ago that I thought this could be more than just a part-time thing. This might even be a service that people buy to the point that it could one day be a business. So I didn't jump as futuristic as I am. Uh, I didn't jump that far ahead yet. I just wanted to have a great product that got the eyebrows of my clients to raise and excited. And I knew if they were excited,
1: I could figure out the rest over time. Talk a little bit about life balance. How do you maintain it?
0: My wife can answer this question better.
1: I don't like the word
0: balance. I don't feel like any successful anybody is balanced in the when we say the word balance, we picture the scale and it's even, it's 50 and 50 and I mean name your hero, they were disproportionately in rhythm over time or they had uh, areas where they were saying this this season of Whatever it is—marriage, family, parenting, startup—it's going to feel unbalanced for a season. But because they were intentional and they had a perspective and they had friends and community, they got through it in a way that uh, that made sense. So, if your life is balanced, you're probably not entrepreneurial but it's okay to be out of balance for a season as long as you have the right people well, speaking Well, I think into that's it. a
1: great point. It's almost like a, a fulcrum that moves, right? It's yep. like Pendulum if you swing. think it's exactly, and it has to swing over. Um, you just need to make sure that it eventually swings back. Yep. So there may be some intentionality or focus you need yep. to put in the business right now, and then it needs to swing back. Otherwise, you will get out of balance. Here's
0: a very practical thing that I'm doing, and I do it more every year. I start with a two-year calendar and I prioritize the most important things first on the calendar. Here's family vacation. Here's where my kids' school start. Here's their sport. So if I had the priority first, then it's tough to get so far out of balance that it harms my priorities because I've scheduled my time around what matters most.
1: All right, so um, I'm going to shift a little bit. There are probably listeners out there that are actually working for an entrepreneur mm-hmm. and they're maybe frustrated or they don't know exactly what to do. I'm curious from Most your Most are
0: frustrated, I'm sure. Most are
1: frustrated. <laughs> okay. So Matt, talk to us a little bit about how do you serve well? How do you serve an entrepreneur or maybe your boss at work, but give us some tips or your thoughts on how do you best set, you know, the guy that you're following up for success?
2: I think you have to take a different perspective and I am serving him. So if there's conflict, I need to figure out well, why it's there and what it's coming from. You know, hearing how he, he started and really scaled Bouchathon before I was ever on board, I look at that, I analyze that, I figure out best practices, and then I try to create systems that can reproduce the success, but on a larger scale with more people. So you That's mentioned, good. you know, you got an idea, what do you do? And he goes, go sell it. And I absolutely agree. But I, I then go, most people can't just do that. So, and their instinct may not be right. They may not have the value proposition they think they have. And so I put a step before that and I say, well, to make that work across this larger scale for his visions with a large organization, let's create systems of, you know, practical step. You think you got a great idea? Kill it. Do everything you can, research, market analysis, actually test it with some phone calls, like pre-selling the concept and try to kill it by saying, this isn't going to work. And then if you can't kill it, then you, actually you, you might m- have something. You that, might be honest on a yeah, yeah. That's
1: great. Well, one of the things, and, and I am totally going to shift right here because I, I want to make sure before we get off this podcast, we touch on this because I think it's one of the things you're great at. Even from the early days, I feel like the culture that you've created at Boosterthon is bar none. I mean, there are so many great organizations that could learn from what you guys have created. Talk to us a little bit about, even in the early days, how do yeah. you set up a great culture in whatever business or let's say whatever department you're leading? How do you do that?
0: Shane, that was a nice softball pitch right there. Culture (laughs) is what I love
1: the most. It's what I'm most passionate about. The first few years, just by
0: blessing and by instinct, I didn't realize how important culture was, but it was, it happened to be kind of by accident, something I prioritized. I always loved working with incredible people, friends, new team members I met. I just thought this is fun. And I want an environment that's fun. I want to create an environment. I, are you kidding? I get to create an environment that I get to be part of. Well, I want it to be someone that's engaging for me and pushes me and challenges me and encourages me, but it's also tons of fun and memorable. And since I don't have a boss as an entrepreneur, I just get to kind of do it. And I made many mistakes, but building a culture that I wanted to work in, that was fueling for me, that was good for my marriage, good for me as a father, good for my friends, that... Um, in many ways accelerated me as a leader was what I want to be part of and I got lucky to attract people that want to be part of that as well. Our culture is very distinct and different and it's not for everybody, but for those that do want to grow as leaders and change the world and work in a for-profit company that's on mission, working for a mission and serving others at a rapid, fun, crazy pace of growth with opportunity, (laughs) uh, then then this fits us. And this is the culture I always want to be part of. So I've never thought more about culture than I do now. But it's always important, even from day one, from I have an idea, even if it's not a service, even if it's a type of idea you think this might just be me, well, there's still a culture that is right. your organization, and your clients can feel it. The number one word used to describe our program is your team. Even if it's a digital product that we have, they're still somehow interacting with some person, and the culture that we have attracts that team member and then
1: empowers them All right, to let's make get, a difference. right, let's get a little tactical here. So, Matt, jump in. What is it specifically that you're doing or you feel like you're doing, steps you're taking, practices that you've got in place that create the desired culture that you want?
2: I, and this is as a recipient and as somebody who has been strategically part of growing that culture. If you don't care about your people, if you see them as cogs to be used, it's never going to happen. You can do all the fun stuff in the world, but if they don't feel that they can trust you, and that you care about them.
1: What's tan? Give me something tangible that you guys do at yep. Boosterthon to make sure people feel that they're cared for. Uh,
0: we celebrate people. I think celebrations a big a big deal. Uh, I'm texting at least two or three or five team members a day. I heard yesterday uh, you guys are about to have a baby. Hey, I'm praying for you. They don't know it. It's first baby. There'll be flowers in the hospital when they get there tomorrow. I mean, but that's that's fun. I mean, that's what I want, right? When I'm having a baby. I want someone to send my wife flowers and. Celebrate us. I think we find ways to celebrate people. That might be our biggest distinctive uh, things they
1: do great, we're noticing,
0: and we want to celebrate Look them.
1: Look for, so we have this phrase we use quite often you know, when you know someone's story, you can care for them personally, exactly. is what we say yes. at Chick fil A yes. all the yep. time. Yep. And it's like, that is so true. When you know somebody's story and the backstory, you can actually care for them. Yep. You can send flowers, you can celebrate birthdays, but what I hear you saying is getting to know the staff mm-hmm. that you have on, then you can react with very specific things and tangible ways that you can.
2: I mean, say uh, very early on, you know, chemistry, uh, talking about chemistry on that team over talent and realizing if we're gonna have chemistry, we're gonna have to know each other. And if we're gonna know each other, we've gotta be honest, we've gotta be vulnerable, we've gotta be encouraging and celebrate, but also give meaningful, compassionate feedback. And that's something that reproduces itself in generation after generation.
0: And doing fun stuff together. I mean, we've always done incredible fun stuff from competitions to trips to what I want to do. I don't want, to, I don't want to just a nine to five. I mean, there's times it extends those hours for sure, but it's always been memorable and fun. And we've got Matt and I specifically I have 13 years now of incredible memories of fun experiences, things we've learned. We have a growth learning culture as well, and we're always pushing each other to read more, learn more, listen more.
2: It, yeah. well, it is an absolute strategic value, too, because your clients aren't going to feel the positive energy. They're not going to feel the culture if you view it as just something to check off. If you're not creatively thinking, yeah. what can we do as a team that's actually going to be really fun and engaging? If you're sending a Christmas gift that's you know, promo materials with your brand on it <laughs> and you go to you know, go to what Red Lobster, like, that's great and all but do something creative, engaging, that you know your team is going to go, wow, I can't believe we get to do this together.
1: Uh, that's great. That's super. Okay, so let's finish with this thought, because I, I think it's a, you're at an interesting place, really, in your business right now, because you've kind of transitioned the leadership of Boosterthon to a more of a leadership team, mm-hmm. so that you can step away, continue to fuel that entrepreneurial spirit. But that had to be a tough decision as well because you're leaving your baby, you're leaving your passion, and you're handing it over to a group of people. How do you do that, and what, uh, what advice would you give to folks that are maybe at a stage of their business where, whether it's small, mid-range, large, where they're beginning to hand over ownership of that or leadership of that, what advice would you give? Well, this is an art, not a science. There's no book that tells you the moment to
0: delegate is basically what we're talking about. Sometimes people have read a book on delegation, and they delegate way too early when things are fragile. If you're the person that can sell a product that needs five to be sold, then you got to own it. You need the ball in your hands and go do it. But you also have to be self-aware enough to know your strengths and your weaknesses. I know my strengths. I know my team's strengths. We focus on knowing who each other are. And at any moment I see someone at 75% as good as I am at something, I want to give it to them then. Not 100%, certainly not 125. When they're 75% as competent as one of my functions of my job, they need to own it then. I can then have a little transition time and the
1: I love the, that. There's a good there's a good principle in that. So what I love about that is like it's not 100%. It's like when they're right about ready at 75%, that's when you kind of physically kind of say, "Okay, it's time to hand this over to you. Give you more responsibility." You will
0: not scale and grow an organization unless you start to build a team of people. You need to find diverse talents that can complement you so you can move more into an area of your strength. But if you do it too early, it's it's fragile and it'll fall apart. Love it.
2: Yeah. And and as the person experiencing that, you know, uh, he empowers, he has empowered different leaders to take on different functions of the business. And even with my function, which is something he's passionate about. So it'd be very easy for him to say, no, 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 I want you to do it this way. He still empowers me to say, what's the best way to approach this and the way to analyze this and the way to, you know, move to the next step from your perspective. So we really work together on it.
1: All right, so guys, if they want, if if our listeners want to know more about Booster Thon, what you guys are doing, maybe they have, maybe they have kids in school that are uh, in need of, of makeover on their fundraising. How can they get in touch with you guys?
0: Yeah, they go to boosterthon.com. That is our fitness fundraising program, specifically for elementary schools. We've also, because we started printing T-shirts a few years ago, we just launched Booster Spiritwear. We're printing two and a half million T-shirts this year. We're the largest screen printer of youth T-shirts in the country. So if anybody needs Spiritwear, T-shirts, products for anything, we're serving our schools and now it's starting to move beyond that. Matt, any other big ideas you're working on? A
2: few. Um, we've got a, uh, the Giving Market, which is a Christmas holiday shop for schools. You know, I think the principle, too, and this goes along with everything we've been saying, is we started not running at every opportunity, but we really started listening to our clients and their pain. Where else are you in pain because you don't have an option that meets the needs? Like the booster on Fun Run met that need of a great school-wide fundraiser. Where else are you in pain that we can Case come
1: Case and- in point, hey, it'd be nice if we had T-shirts of having to go out here, you're a one-stop shop. Who can host you, our- you want to capture the ecosystem around right. that experience. Mm-hmm. But not that's force great. it. In
2: years past, yeah. I think we tried to force it or run off on tangents with not a different market, but we started to realize, this is our market. They're in pain. We met one of their, their pain points with, now that's something they enjoy, they still have other things we
0: can do for Shane, them. Matt and I spent the last 18 months going on a learning tour, learning, meeting with some of our best clients, best practice clients, 10-year, 10, 10 12-year clients, and some brand new clients saying, did you enjoy the current process and program? Is there anything else that you think we could potentially do? And what, you know, what's causing you pain and trouble? And what would you see us potentially over time developing? And so we built the list based upon the client feedback, not our own passions.
1: Oh, that's so good. There's a whole other podcast in that because I do think there's some great lessons to going back out to your clients and even the best ones that are out there and saying, okay, what else could we do? What else could we take care of for you? Super, super great advice. Guys, this has been awesome. Chris, Matt, I want to say thank you. Uh, Congratulations on the this continued success that Boosterthon is experiencing. And I know our listeners have really enjoyed it today. So thanks for being a part of our Shane, podcast. thanks for the
0: opportunity. To all you entrepreneurs, keep doing it. One more step every day. You're changing the world. So as a thanks, reminder,
1: Shane. you can find us at launchuniversity.com. Tell your friends about us if you have a chance and you want to go and give us a, a, a quick some quick feedback. We'd love to hear it. We also are in the process of taking questions. So if you're an entrepreneur or an entrepreneur out there... Has a question you want to ask, please go to launchuniversity.com. You can call us, you can text us, you can email us your question, we'd love to answer that. And as a reminder, our job is to help each of you become the difference maker that you want to be. And that's why we do this. And so we're so glad you joined us today. Thanks, guys. Thanks. thanks you.
0: Thanks for listening to the Launch University Podcast. We hope it's helped you move from go-getter to difference maker. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes and leave a review. For more helpful resources, visit launchuniversity.com.